There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Orange Zone, sponsored by Billy Whitaker Cars and Trucks. What's up, what's up? Welcome into the award-winning Orange Zone podcast. We are getting into the weeds on Syracuse men's basketball, taking down number seven, North Carolina. I'm Tommy Sladak. We have Samantha Crossan. We have Rachel Culver on the producer, Mike. A reminder, you can find every episode on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you want to listen. You can also find every episode on our Orange Zone YouTube page. What's going on from the Sky Camp? Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. New episodes are released weekly. Sometimes we go above and beyond that when we can. And we invite you to please like, please comment. We're loving the comments and subscribe. Also be sure to follow us on Instagram, TikTok for more OZ content. Now, what we're going to be getting into is obviously just the weeds on this game. We're going through the numbers. We're going through the big moments. We're going through the post game, as well as our fan question, which we put out on X, formerly known as Twitter, which was, who was your MVP last night? And we had so many different answers, which I think is what made made this game so fun so let's get into it and we're going to talk about the core storm we're going through it all what are your thoughts now that you've had a night to sleep i mean after digesting that it's crazy because i'm looking at rachel's notes and i see that it says syracuse led for 32 minutes and it almost felt like even longer than that i felt like they had control of this game the entire way through and i love the quote here uh, from David Cobb from CBS Sports that says, if Autry is able to keep his nucleus intact, this type of victory could be a cornerstone for him to build upon as he replaces the legendary Jim Beheim. It felt like the season was transformed in the course of 40 minutes. And I know that's a little bit dramatic. End of the day, we still need to see down the stretch what's going to happen here. But I can tell you, matter-of-factly, that I will remember Adrian Autry's first season differently now because of that win than I would have without it. Statement win in the first over a top 10 team since 2018-2019. Five years, Sam. Five years. That's a really long time, especially for a program like Syracuse, where it was expected, it was an annual thing, and you had this digression. And so to have one of these big moments, it's a statement for an Adrian Autry, and it's just a statement for a team that's gone through a lot, including losing one of their players last week that was dismissed from the team. Rachel Culver, we're heading over to you. What's going on? You were there. I was there. Yeah, it was quite the environment to be in. Um, I think I, I tweeted out a video of the whole court storming and everything after it happened, and um, I said something along the lines of, I've been to a lot of games in the Dome, but there was nothing quite like that. It was just a different atmosphere. You kind of felt like everything was Sam saying. Like, it did feel like a reinvigorating win for the Autry era. Like, like we're saying that like it's been however many years. It's been his first year, but it does feel transformative in a lot of ways. And it felt like, okay, I'm here, and like this is what you can expect going forward. It was, re- it was really cool. And our good friend Mike Waters, who Sam interviewed last week, someone that's you know a, a legend, obviously, covering Syracuse as well as Donna DeToto, that have been doing it for a really long time. And Mike said on social media that he doesn't know if he's seen a Syracuse team that's needed 
that win quite like this team and everything that's transpired, especially considering that they're coming in where they're without Benny Williams. He's gone. Peter Carey suffered a concussion in practice last week, wishing him the best, but that's another guy down. And from coaching to the players, everyone did their job, and it was their best game of the season. It was their best game of the season. And you want to talk numbies? Let, let's talk numbers. I'm not going to say numbies. Oh, that was on. cringe. Well, I don't think so. Maybe not as cringe as the wazoo. <laughs> <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk numbers. Anyway, let's talk numbies. Um, all right, well, well, listen, let's get into it by starting with the backcourt. The backcourt. J.J. Mm-hmm. Starling and Judah Mintz. Starling with 23 points, Mintz with 25 points. Combined 48 points for this unit. Not this bad. is something we have talked about consistently, is them getting better, and it was their best collective game, I thought. And they shot 62% from the field, nearly 63. It's amazing amazing i feel like guys i just like i'm sorry to interrupt but like on on that note i spent as soon as i got home from that game i spent probably three hours just digging through box scores over the past however many seasons i was just curious i was like when is the last time they like shot 63 percent from the field what'd you find i have so far gotten back to the 2015-2016 season and there's nothing that's came close come on this year this year they shot 60 percent playing Louisville very recently but like there's been a couple like 60.4 60.8 things like that like this is like in recent years like the best they have shot without a doubt uncharted territory but it's important to note that I think you can find their opponents shooting 60 plus like five times yeah that's what I was gonna say say is the crazy thing is I remember seeing that in an article that Mike Waters wrote is that they're getting lit up more than they normally get lit up yes so the fact that out of all right like out of all teams for UNC to be the team that you absolutely shoot the lights out on it definitely makes you think rethink I'll say okay now what is the ceiling what does happen next like if Syracuse can beat this team who else can they beat big time and Judah Mintz and JJ Starling I mean coming into this season or preseason episode we were sitting here talking and I'm sure we were hitting on it when JJ Starling transferred in from Notre Dame but Mintz and Starling we talked about having the potential to be one if not the best backcourt duo in the country in last night against UNC was an example of that that was that was a it was just a terrific performance. They played so well together, and a part of their success obviously goes to everyone else that was on the floor with them because everyone did their job. Chris Bell, Malik Brown, Quadir Copeland. Copeland, Justin Taylor. You know he he still had his moments, and and I feel for the kid. It's tough. I heard that he was getting booed by the student section coming in. Keep locked in. Keep doing your thing, but right now the best five on that floor are Mintz, Starling, Copeland, Brown, and Bell. And Quadir Copeland, I'm trying to figure out a nickname for him. I was, you know, brainstorming. Mm. Did you come up with anything good? And I put something out there, and it got good love. The soul of Syracuse. Like, to me, he is the heart and soul of Syracuse. Maybe it's the spark plug of Syracuse. He just, the fans love this guy. And because of those little hustle moments that he does all game long, but they came up again and again in the final few minutes and to help them secure this win. No doubt. I mean, if you're going against him, he is villainous. Like the last few minutes of that UNC game, to me, he felt like he felt like the difference maker. I mean, granted, there were a couple of, you know, 
three-point shots that really kind of ended things and were sort of the dagger. But Copeland made things so interesting. And, like, I love after any of those times where the ball is going out of bounds and he's convinced that UNC is the last person who touches it. The looking way he's at like, the crowd. He's, like, he's looking at the crowd. And it's, it's not even the smile. It's always like a... Like, it's, that, it's, it's like that smirk, you know? He's like, watch the replay. I'm telling you. And he was right. Every time. Every time. So electric. And even back to, listen, you talked about the backcourt. I mean, I thought that the most electric shot of the entire game was the J.J. Starling bank shot. Hilarious. From, I mean, Rachel. Like I, the can crowd actually, no, I can actually confirm when that shot went in, me, a UNC fan who willingly went to the dome dressed in Tar Heel blue, I will admit, the second that that shot banked in, I was like, all right, we might as well leave. Like, this game's over. I just, you, it had that kind of energy. Like, it, he had that kind of energy as he's running back and he's smiling and it's on the billboards and everybody's just screaming. As soon as that shot fell, I was like, we're not winning this game. One hundred percent winning this game because <laughs> those shots happen to Syracuse. I know. They don't make those shots. And the funniest thing about that possession—I don't know if you guys noticed this—there were like three seconds on the clock. Like yeah. he could have, he, he could have gone and, and taken you know a higher percentage yeah. shot, but he chose there. Well, yeah, I think he didn't know how much time was on the clock. Definitely, right. so and think, even Hubert Davis in his post-game press conference, he referenced that shot, and he was like that was like a big momentum thing that kind of we couldn't come back from. So yeah, that it's was, interesting how that works. That was it. And and as we're on the topic of Starling and Mints, right? You know, I'm, I'm looking at that JJ's numbers right now. Nine for 15 from the field, three for six from three. But to me, I'm like, okay, we've seen where he can make five, six threes in a game, but he, he, he finishes with three threes. And the same thing was happening with Mintz is it was high percentage shots and they were taking those jumpers, you know, eight, 10 foot jumpers where you could just, you could see it. You could see that, that coaching, that practice was playing out in real time where they were opting for better shots. They were making that extra pass in, I mean, it's just refreshing sitting here and talking about a team that just, they did it right. They did it right for 40 minutes. I mean, and you even mentioned this, but it is like one of those things that from, from the points to the deflections, to the steals, to the energy, to the coaching, like everybody played a hand in this. I mean, even in the beginning, you know, Malik Brown, I feel like really was the energizer and the spark that got things started with a couple threes. Chris Bell, deadly from three. Yes. Like everybody who was out there was playing a role in that win. And I do feel like it was also the best game that Autry coached this entire year too. Let's talk about the zone. Let's bring it right in. You have this program obviously known for the 2-3 zone forever with Jim Beheim. Adrian Autry comes in and says, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently. We're going to be doing some man. but Which people were desperate for. Were desperate for. But to have the flexible option of saying and coming in being like, listen, we're still pretty effective at this. And depending on who we're playing, this is going to be their approach to it. To have that option and for Autry to come in and say, okay, tonight is a zone. Or next week it's going to be, okay, tonight is the man. Or this eight minutes we're going, man, this eight minutes, this five minutes, this two minutes we're going zone. The flexibility, we saw what that can do because it was the right move last night and it paid off big time. Can't and, you it, just... and it kept the ball away from the bigs for the most part. In that first half, like I like said this, 
like I was there with my parents, whatever. I my dad graduated from Syracuse. What grew up a UNC fan. It's like a whole inner battle he has every time this <laughs> game goes on. But I was like, they are making UNC look small. Yes. Because the way they rebounded, especially in that first half, that energy they had when they went down to that end of the court where the student section was hyping him up and everything, they made UNC look small. It was it was cool. Which is amazing, considering 100%. they are Armando Bacon, those guys down low. I mean, they legitimately outplayed them. And with the amount of zone, can't you just see Jim Beheim watching on the couch like... You know. <laughs> nice big smile. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, really, you're right. I think that... You know, I've, I've talked to just several coaches just across men's and women's college basketball, and I feel like a lot of the ones who I really respect and admire say that they're going to use the defense that works the best, whatever works. And I like the fact that Coach Archery is the kind of coach that is willing to strategize even in-game and just really see what is working, what is not working based on personnel, because you're right. The fact that they're playing a small roster now and they don't really have those big guys, like that is a challenge to overcome. And last night they overcame it. Big time. And also, I want to give a little shout out to my co-host and good friend here because Sam has been a big part of the LeMoyne women's basketball broadcast this year. So check out the new D1 Dolphins. Sam's been on color. She's been an analyst. So a lot of the times ESPN plus, but but go check her out. And uh, it's awesome seeing you do that. It's awesome seeing them do that. This was the team that was ranked eighth preseason. They're rocking the house right now. I'm pretty sure they're second now. So they're uh, exceeding expectations, let's just say. Shout out the NEC. We'll be getting into them a little bit more come come March in conference tourney time, just like we'll be, talk, be talking some Cornell and Colgate just because, hey, we are central New York. You're listening wherever in the United States. Maybe you're in Syracuse. Maybe you're in Kazakhstan. We've had people from Kazakhstan listening. That's amazing. I was, look, I was looking at the numbies. Sorry, last the one. N- last numbies. one. We're moving on. We're moving on. That's strike two. <laughs> You all heard it. That's three, strike two. Three, I'm gone. You want to get into the fan question? Yes, please. I've been dying for it. All right, let's do it. So put this out on X, and we're going to be doing this weekly. We want to just have more interaction, and we're, we're loving it. So the question for fans, who was your MVP in last night's win over UNC? And this is the type of question, right, where if this was last week, and it's the game where Chris Bell is dropping, you know, 30 – it, the question doesn't work. You have to reshape. But this was perfect because I thought, you know, maybe we get two or three answers. Like we have six. It was nuts. Six, seven, maybe more. Let's get into it. First off, shout out our boy Dale Ostrander works with us. He just goes two, three zone. I know. That was the best answer. I like that as well. <laughs> Noah Blanchard. I think that's how you pr- we pronounce your last name, Noah. But he just goes Adrian Autry. And I like, I like that as well. I mean, I, I like all of these. But let's go down the list and then kind of break it down here our own. Um, pleasantly, the team itself, everyone contributed big time from Brown to Copeland to JJ and Mintz. The entire team stepped up. Dante Furco, Quadir Copeland. I would run through a wall for that man. <laughs> Agreed, Dante. Orange Chuck, Q in the postgame press conference. So Q decided to just kind of pop in. And say what's up. And I think our photog Westbrook was in there. Westbrook, can you come on? Can we hear, can we hear from you? I'm going to have you uh, – I'll, I'll give you these. All right. So this is our guy Westbrook. He's one of our photogs here at the station, and he was in that post game. And so let us know what happened there with, uh, with Quadir. Well, interesting, interestingly enough, I had just asked uh, Coach Ostry a question, what does this win mean for Syracuse as a city? And he – 
kind of like what you guys are saying. It instills confidence. It's exactly what we needed to kind of get back in the program, get relevant again. And as he was finishing it up, this smile, I was at the far end of, of where the cameras were, but this smile is like, Q, what are you doing in here? <laughs> and he's like, Coach, I know you got to answer questions out here, but we got some questions we got to ask you in the locker room. <laughs> and there was this whole repartee of just incredible love. And I walked, I walked over and I saw his face, Q's face, and it was just, it was genuine, yeah. you know? Something, that, that love that you, you never, as much as respect as I have for Coach Beheim and everything he's done there, you never would have seen a player go do that to Coach Jim Beheim. And to have that freshness and newness and just they're all celebrating together. It was magical, man. It was like just incredible. It was part of the moment. It was it continued it on and and you could just see in Coach Autry's face like, This is my boy. This is this is what we're doing here now. This is this is it. It was really incredible to be a part of that. Absolutely. And the best part is how the, the question he asks is, what did you think of Q's defense tonight? <laughs> yeah, man, he, he's funny. And you even heard everybody in the, in the press room, like, laughing. Like, yeah. it just, I feel like it just kind of lightened up the mood for everybody. Like, that's not the kind of thing you could do every game, but once, it's really funny. And I do want to say one thing that I thought was so incredible were uh, the remarks that UNC's coach gave um, before Coach Autry gave out there. And he kept saying on more than one occasion, you have to give credit and compliments to Syracuse University. This is the ACC. It doesn't matter if you blow a team out by 30 points. They came to play tonight. They were the better team. And just to point that out and, and to show that these, this is the level that this program can rise to. And, uh, you know, I don't think this will be a flash in the pan. I think this is a sign of, of things to come. And it's exciting, man. It's exciting seeing a win like that. Yes. Sure. Westbrook Shortell, man. Yeah. Photographer no who also braved <laughs> the students rushing the court, by the way. He was literally in the middle of that with his camera. So he we'll did. get into it. After the question, he was a part of it. And, and Hubert Davis brings up a good point, which is the the you know conversation around the ACC just a few weeks ago having three teams in the tournament, according to Joe Lenardi. I know Jim Beheim kind of went after him for that, but <laughs> we've seen it the past few years. The ACC is not getting the respect to get in the tournament, but the teams that are in there, someone's making the Final Four. People are making the Elite Eight. Those are deep runs. Yeah. Those are deep runs, and it's I don't think a conference should be put down the pedal stool because they're beating the crap out of each other. To me, you got to look at that, and hopefully they're looking at it and saying, this is a sign of a better conference than maybe what meets the eye test or what our numbers or analytics tell us. I'll tell you what, if Moten was here, he would be like, screw the numbers. Oh, he doesn't yeah. like the numbers. He would, be, he would be mad. And it's like it is an interesting point because I just did a deep dive on the net and the quadrants and all those systems that go into account on picking those selections for the tournament and you can see why there would be kind of some flaws in how some conferences don't get as many as others so right it's I think right now Joe Lenardi's projecting four which is a bump up from three do I think it's enough no should be at least five should be at least five um check out Rachel's byline, by the way, the Culver byline, she gets into the net rankings, what the quadrant means, and it's a perfect time because Syracuse is obviously people, – people are excited. People have some hope that they could make a run here and are fueled by this win. They need to win more. 
but this is a start, and that's exactly what they needed. I'm going to keep going down the list here. We got four more. Our guy, Zach Effian. Uh, I'm going off of Travis Etienne, so <laughs> I'm thinking that's probably a similar way to say the last name. But Also, if we like bosh anybody's last name, do yeah. tell us in the comments or elsewhere so we know for the yeah, next say, time. Yeah, say, hey, idiot. Get cultured. Know my last hey, name. Hey, Numby. Yeah, yeah. Hey, <laughs> Numby. <laughs> but anyway, Zach says, Judah was awesome and his play was much needed after a bad showing on Saturday. 25-5-4 with three steals on 73% shooting. Chef's kips, Zach. That was money. And then we have Jen Mark Kelly, the entire team, period. Period. I love that. I, end of the day, that's that's the big one too. But if you had to pick one, our guy Rob88 says JJ. And our guy Todd says JJ Malik Mince three-way tie. We haven't talked about Malik yet. Let's get into the role that he's had. For once, for one, he is one of the most steals out of anyone in the ACC. As a guy that's covering the center. And you know what? That's the one benefit that we're seeing of having an undersized big going up against these big dudes is 99% of the time he's quicker than them. He can move. He can move. In those he hands. It, and he nailed two threes. High percentage shots. He's got the quick hands. Quadir Copeland does too. But overall, good. And I love the answers. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, those answers were electric, particularly the 2-3 zone and Adrian Autry. I love that people thought outside of the box. The three-way tie, I'm thinking that's not fair. You not have, fair? You have to pick one. That's the rules. But right. I understand that it was hard in this. So who would your I, MVP I, I think be? I, I'm, giving Todd, I'm giving Todd the benefit of the doubt just because I think it was a hard time. To, it was a hard one to pick. Mine, if I had to do a player. Wait, wait, I think, wait. If, can we say it at the same time? Because if you say the person I'm going to say, it's just going to look like I'm copying you. All right, ready? Three, Three two, two, one. Quadier. Adrian Autry. Oh, okay. okay. I was going to say, I just, I'm, I'm happy for the guy. I think he just, I think he coached the game. I think he had the right game plan going in. And so for it being his first year and having his first statement win, I think that was important. But um, my guy on the court, I'm actually going to go with JJ. I just, I, I think he just, they need that, that steady guy. And through the last nine games, he's averaging 18.4 points. His first 16 games, he was averaging 10.1. For him to not just find it, but we hear it from the analysts that are on games all the time. Okay, you scored 25. Okay, you scored 30. Now do it again. Now do it again. JJ's doing it again. And it's a difference maker. It is. And the reason why I say quadir is because I know this is kind of a phrase that gets thrown around a lot, but I do feel like he is the kind of player who is doing a lot of things that you do not see on the stat sheet. After that bank shot that JJ had, they had a great shot on the broadcast panning to the bench, and you just see quadir running down, slapping everybody's hands, getting they the crowd that. hyped up. They need that. Like, quadir is the kind of guy who always truly believes like, he believes they're in it. I saw his face, and I knew he believed they were going to win. And I think he inspires people. You always see him on the court with his arm wrapped around somebody, telling somebody something. I would love to sit down with him one day and just ask, what is it that you're always telling these guys off to the side? Like, in-game, what is it that you're saying to JJ or Judah? So we'll, we'll ask maybe next time we're, we're in the locker room with them. But I think he always has inspiring words, and he's keeping everybody on the same page, which you need that kind of energy in a game where – Nobody, including Vegas, is expecting you to win. And I'm going to ask Rachel who her MVP was. I lean towards JJ as well, just because honestly, like, 
there like this is what I love about sports, especially college basketball, is like there's just moments you can't explain. And that bank three was a moment you can't explain. <laughs> and everything he did outside of that, like just supported the like initiative he took in the game. Like he was finding a way to drive through Carolina defense and get off shots in the lane and things like that that you just it would it like it it seemed uncharacteristic because we haven't seen it in settings like that it seemed uncharacteristic but you know it's not like we saw him at Notre Dame last year we saw what he's capable of this guy's a good basketball player but like I think he's just really really getting comfortable in his own skin and what his role here is at Syracuse and I love that and this is a team that was able to stay in it despite getting out rebounded which we're going to be need to become accustomed to right you know they lose a rebounding battle 31 to 23 but it didn't feel like that and you mentioned in the first half it didn't feel like that was what is normally the killer and you can point and be like well they were out rebounded by 20 that helps explain why they lost it it wasn't there and jj you could tell on some of those shots and the plays that he had it, it looked like he was running a drill in practice and pulling up from you know he looks loose. He just he, loose. Yeah, him in the mid-range is just a scary, scary sight. And those are dropping. Those are dropping. He looks confident. He's taking them. It's been great. And, you know, <clears throat> as with every game, there's things to work on. Free throws, we still got to get better at it. 72%, you know, they did just enough, but you, you got to be better because I know they can be better at free throws. So Although, knock them down. I do feel like at the end, they still didn't make all of them, but I felt like they were making enough at the end to put pressure on UNC. Like, when it counted, I felt like they made enough. Right. But I think they had that cushion that allowed that. You're in a really close game, and we've seen it before. Those are going to crush you when you're missing them. The only other thing I have, which I've mentioned on this show before, is I'm still seeing too many points from the other team in transition after SU scores, specifically. And you can see the other teams in the ACC, they almost know and are ready. They're like, hey, anytime they score, get the ball and fly down the court. There's a lot of points still happening in transition, and they need to be more ready on defense and be completely set. And that means sprinting back with them every single time. They've gotten better, still something to work on. Last but not least, the storming of the court at the Dome. That was a scene. Happy everyone stayed alive. That we know of. Those situations can get pretty hectic. But (laughs) Syracuse fans stormed the court. They're pumped. Just beat the number seven team in the country. And of course, though, there's going to be people that don't always agree with that. That includes our boss, Sean Carroll. (laughs) Syracuse (laughs) alumni. Sean's happy for the team. I know he is. He loves seeing his orange win it. But he took to social media, and I woke up to find our boss in an absolute war with people. (laughs) Absolute my man's was on a tear war saying he he found it and i think it was the language of how he did it said he found it pathetic he didn't like it and his point was you just beat the number seven team in the country that's gone that's lost you know two or three of their last five games and i see where he's coming from because this syracuse program of old that wouldn't have happened they would probably be a top 10 team you're probably saving a storm core for beating the number one team, the number two team, a team you maybe haven't done in 10 years. But at the same time, here's my thought, and this is what I think a lot of people more so that have pushed back on it are let people have fun. It's just a fun moment. 
in this Syracuse program right now hasn't beaten one in five years. That's a long time. That means if one of these kids is a freshman in the student section, if they're a freshman or if they're a fifth-year senior, this is their first time they're getting an opportunity like that. You only live once. You're only in college once. Get on that court. Hashtag YOLO. No, I do. I think that the context actually is important, right? Because even if you if – you, I, I do see that point of, you know, when is crowd storming appropriate or the top team or whatever it is. But this was a big moment for Syracuse. Mm. This was something that hasn't happened in a long time. And the other important context is that crowd storming is fun. That's important. <laughs> F-U-N. It's important to have fun. And here's the other thing. You know, I talked to a few people about it. And I actually was speaking with Mike McAllister, who brought up, I thought, a really interesting point where he said, if it, if it doesn't hurt recruiting, if everybody is safe, if everybody benefits from it, if all it does is bring positive energy into the world, then what really is the valid argument against it? I really can't see one. You know, to me, it just seems like... Like it adds to the moment, like it adds to the excitement. And, and honestly, the older that I get, the more that I realize that like memories and moments are important. Like to me, that's what life is all about is maybe the pursuit of something meaningful and the chase of something meaningful and then moments and memories. And I thought that last night that probably added to a lot of people's moments that they'll never forget. You probably loved the fun episode of SpongeBob growing up. I knew F you were just sitting on that. F is for friends who do stuff together. U is for you and me. N is for, N is for anywhere, anytime at all, down here in the, the deep, deep blue, blue sea. sea. Banger. I did, but honestly, the SpongeBob movie, don't get me started. That slapped. Goofy Goober? Yeah. What a well, song. We're very much targeting our age. Like, Wait. I think we, we just put ourselves in a, in, a, in a wheelhouse here. Not to mention, like, am I, am I allowed to say this, that... We, the director at our station's brother is the voice of SpongeBob. Yeah, we like, can say that. That's so yeah, cool. It's awesome. Shout out, shout out Tom Kenny, man. He's, he, I, he, he said in our, in our interview with Michael Benny, you know, a guy also at our station, uh, if you know him. The guy. He's the guy. <laughs> Tom said, he goes, people come up to me and say, thank you for my childhood. I feel the same way. So it, it, the show's just a good vibe, man. That's amazing. Good vibe. Keeps people together. Keeps us talking. It's been fun. Any final thoughts? I got some thoughts on the court storm. I if you want. Sorry, Rach. Yeah, no. I forgot to come to you. No, Let's you're go. good. I agree completely with you. I say let them do it. The problem I have is with the execution. I I didn't. <laughs> I have not heard this take before. So I'm excited didn't. For this. I'm very interested. I didn't <laughs> like the fact that they were like ready to go with five minutes left in the game that was really stressful like that is stressful. i was like i was like have you guys seen a college basketball game before like you know how this goes awkward as yes <laughs> like if you know how that goes like that's a lot of time a minute's a lot of time in a college basketball game like if that went bad oh. that would have been like a meme to last forever yeah, and that would have been embarrassing and like judah i think even made a post game comment where he was like yeah as soon as we saw him like come down we were like we know we gotta win this game because <laughs> if, they, if, if they like have to go back up into their seats after all that like that's no good but yeah i think the idea i love a stormed court as long as it's safe as long as everybody's knowing the limitations and like not trying to do anything harmful i think that's the point though right they were yeah. all rookies 
Everyone there most likely was yeah, a robot. They never done it, to- but totally. it was the execution. Like we just gotta we just gotta tighten that up a little bit and like yeah. maybe maybe now that we've opened the seal on the court storm, we know like where we don't need a court storm and where we yeah. do need a court storm. But yeah. also, that, that's what I gotta say on that. I'm gonna counter that with one thing, saying that you almost wonder from a psychological standpoint, if you're UNC and you see that everybody is like already lined up to crowd storm, it's like is the game over? Like I'd be so pumped to beat them then. I would agree. Yeah. I think that would be more of an incentive for me to just like <laughs> turn know, it on. I know. But yeah. honestly, it's like, it is funny because it's like, that's just fans. Like it, that reminds me of when there are people in the, in the crowd counting down the shot clock. Three, two, but there's 11 seconds left. <laughs> yeah. Like I feel like that's just what fans do. Not to mention those security guards in the video funniest thing ever because like what can they do like they're all like in the video you see they're just kind of like standing there but i'm like they're all like holding hands a lot yeah they're (laughs) all like holding hands like making a barrier that was more with the players but yeah once uh, once it's on a car as long as everyone's having fun you're good you got something westbrook yeah come on over come on over (laughs) i want to give credit where the credit's due and it has to do with the security guards and everything what you didn't see is that they didn't let anyone else except the students come in they joined arms that lined the side of the court, so no one else except the students. I saw a students. few sneak in. I saw a few sneak in. Sure. Saw, or maybe they were very old seniors, you know? Who knows? <laughs> but Super seniors. The, the level of execution, because it didn't look like anything was happening, I think was just how well Pete Sala and the staff up there do everything. Shout out to those guys, because they were able to keep everything calm, cool, and contained and let the students still have a good time without any other um, altercations, if you will. So it, it was just something that I, I really noticed, and I thought, wow, that's really cool. When you took a step back, you saw a, a human chain running the, the 90 feet of, of, of the, the court. That was like, oh, I see what they're doing. They're letting the students have fun and have their moment without getting any, uh, any, any of the public involved. So that's it. Thank you. Shout out, shout out. Thank you, man. Practice makes perfect, though. And that's obviously something they've rehearsed and they knew and they executed and took care of business. You got anything? Um, Final thoughts. I mean, I just, my final thought will be, yesterday, one of the other people who I spoke with was the college basketball analyst who actually was calling the Syracuse game against UNC. Jimmy Dykes. And he... I asked him, maybe I manifested this, maybe they won because it's me, because I, I asked... <laughs> oh boy, here we go. <laughs> no, just listen, because I, <clears throat> I asked, like one of the questions I asked was just, listen, if they happen to pull off this upset, what, what does that actually mean for Syracuse? Like, of course, there's all these numbers and whatever, but just for our general viewer, help us put into context and perspective what this actually means. And he said that as far as the NCAA tournament and chances and whatnot, he said, I think this puts them in a position to be in position. And Bingo. I like that. I thought, I thought that was right on the money. It's not saying that anything is guaranteed, but it puts them in position to be in position. Now you're talking about a different situation than you were talking about 24 hours ago. Thought he nailed that on the head and he had a good call too. So thank you, Jimmy Dykes, for a couple minutes of your time. Thank you, Jimmy. I think you nailed that too. I'm Tommy Sladek. This is Samantha Croston. Rachel Culver on the producer mic. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Make sure you're liking, subscribing. Thank you, Billy Whitaker Cars and Trucks. For helping us do this whole thing. We're out of here. Peace. See you later. A lot more to talk about later.